Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Girlish Podcast. It's me, your favorite tranny, Jay, along with my co-host, Gage. Hi, everyone. It's really late for me. Well, it's late for me. It's 9 p.m. my time, and I typically go to bed at like 10. I wake up really early for work all the time. So like I'm like typically in bed right now, but I really w- wanted to film another podcast, especially because both of our schedules are so hectic. So we kind of, you know, we schedule the time. We're both like across the country from each other. So it's really yeah. difficult. It's very hard because we don't have like a professional setup. We have to deal with time difference and working. But I mean, this is the third episode. We're pumping them out. Yeah. Also, sorry if there's a slight lag to this. We're really not professionals and we're, we're, we're doing our best. Um, that my apartment complex internet can be pretty slow sometimes. So, um, yeah, especially at nighttime when everyone's on it. So we're, we're really, we're doing our best. We tried filming this intro like 20 times. Literally. And Something keeps, always goes wrong. Literally, everything keeps going wrong. I keep laughing at the, the dumbest <laughs> thing. But yeah, this this episode is going to be about coping mechanism, which coping mechanisms, which I'm really I keep messing up on coping mechanisms. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it's going to be about. We're going to kind of talk about the things that helped us, you know, express ourselves when we really had a lot of trouble when it came to expressing ourselves. Like growing up, when I wasn't able, you know, to come out, when I sheltered myself, when I hid myself from the world, I, um, you know, I I had a lot of like creativity that I really tried pushing to stop, you know, thinking about my transition to kind of shield away who I was, but also, you know, let me express myself in that like creative field, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So I really put a lot of like energy into like my hobbies in order to like live my life in a comfortable way for that time. Like it helped me during that time period when things were so hard, things were so dark. It helped me, you know, I guess, and like, I know this sounds like sad, but it helped me like stay alive in a lot of sense. Like it, it really, it made me, it made me happy and it made me, you know, sound. I was very uh, safe. I felt like within my hobby and Gage is going to talk about her hobby. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to this because a lot of people find these hobbies. They find these different coping mechanisms that help them throughout such a hard time in their life. And so, yeah, we wanted to kind of talk about that and just really dive into this topic with you guys because it's really really important and I think all of us should you know share especially something like this Mm -hmm. I feel like most of us have like an activity or something similar to that that helped us distract ourselves from all of the thoughts that we had growing up Mm -hmm. Um, you might not have known like at that specific moment like that you were trans or um, that if you're questioning your sexuality, you might not have figured it all out, but just having like an activity that that you thoroughly enjoy and distracts you from all of the confusing thoughts that you have and like the fears that you have um, about your family and your friends accepting you if you come out. It's just nice to go into a world where you can escape all of the stuff that's happening in your real life and just focus on something that you like genuinely enjoy and it just takes your mind off a lot of things and makes life a lot easier when you're indulging in that whatever activity it is yeah and yeah everyone I know has their certain um activity that that has helped them and I'm really curious to hear what you guys like your experiences so please feel free to to reach out message us leave a comment and just let us know what that activity was for you We're both going to go in depth in our hobbies and I'm really, really excited to share. I think this podcast is very special to both of us because like these, um, like mine is music and I know Gage's, it was like, um, like video games and virtual reality. And, and like, I know how much it means for both of us to have that in our life. It really kept us afloat. So yeah, before we jump into this, I want to kind of, you know, ask Gage, like how has you know, her life been like recently, like what are some new things going on in your life? Is there anything trans related that's, that you're kind of dealing with right now? I just want to have like a current like event, like mindset, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, recently I have been actively looking into pursuing all of the surgeries that I want to get. Um, I am very fortunate 
to work for a company that has really good health insurance and like coverage and all of that. Um, so I'm trying to take advantage of that, um, go th- get some surgeries. The biggest stressor in my life is getting surgeries, not necessarily the procedure, but just like, how am I going to afford like a plane ticket if I have to travel? How am I going to afford the hospital bill and the recovery bill and all the medicine and everything that I need in order to get better? Like that has been probably the biggest thing that has been pushing, that has made me push back my surgery dates for so long. Um, but now that I'm finally in a place where I can have insurance cover it, it's amazing. And I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. Um, and it, it's something that could save me tens and thousands of dollars. You know, I was always stressing about money. I live in Los Angeles, which is like the most expensive place to live on planet Earth. And I want like $50,000 worth of surgery. So, <laughs> I mean, I I think... I am really lucky that I work for a company that is willing to pay for a lot of these surgeries. Yeah, it's kind of insane because, like, I, I've heard, like, people from, like, our neighbors in Canada, like, they're able to get their surgeries a lot of times for free because they yeah. have free health insurance. But America, it's a, it's a big struggle to try and, and, you know, have the funds to pay for your surgeries because they can be really, really, really expensive. Like, mm-hmm. without insurance, you can pay, like, like hundreds and thousands of dollars worth, like depending on what you want, obviously. I'm lucky, I'm fortunate enough where I have Obamacare. Like I'm I'm so fortunate for Obamacare because with that, I'm, I've been able to get like Blue Cross Blue Shields or Florida Blue in Florida. And it's $25 a month for like what normally would be like a $500 insurance policy. Um, but I pay $25 and that covers, I can get breast augmentation. I can get a bottom surgery with that. Um, I think it would co- cover everything, but 25% of the anesthesia or something like that, which, but it's still really, really good. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the best that I can find in Florida. So I, I just haven't been able, I've scheduled two bottom surgery dates, but I've canceled both because like I didn't have the money because it is in Miami. So I have to, you know, set aside some time in Miami and like have a hotel ready for me. And it is a big like expense. So it's been very difficult for me to kind of plan around that and be like yeah. mentally prepared. I also haven't had laser hair removal down there. Oh God. Have you started the process of that? If that's not personal. I mean, on my face down there. No, I'm terrified. Yeah. I've had it on my face. I just haven't. Yeah. I haven't had it in my bottom area. My doctor though, my surgeon says that it's it, like for him, it's not a necessity. Like he's never had a problem with people growing hair mm-hmm. after it's healed so but i still want it just to be safe and obviously yeah. i like i hate hair down there and it's never never fun that's honestly my biggest fear like after getting surgery and you have growth like in weird crevices and places that there shouldn't be hair like i have nightmares about that you know, like me i have the worst luck so that definitely <laughs> would happen to me well like the worst of the worst would always happen to me but yeah um for me like it, it, like I have a endocrinology appointment tomorrow, which I'm very kind of nervous for because he's going to give me more labs. Last time I did labs was like a month ago and my estrogen level was actually low. And so um, he gave me a higher prescription. He gave me six milligrams. I was taking four originally of estradiol. And so I'm going to have to get new labs tomorrow. So I'm really nervous. I hope everything goes well. I was also low on vitamin D and he gave me vitamin D tablets to take. So, but I, I'm still really scared. Just, I hope that things look better. I hope that um, I'm, my levels aren't the worst. It sucks because I was with an endo before who was the worst. She didn't want to mm-hmm. put me past two milligrams of estradiol because she said it was too, like too high. But now I'm at six with my new endo because my levels were way too low. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to see that like, I do feel more changes even like switching because I've been on hormones for a long time. And then I've just recently got onto six, but I, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm already feeling changes, which is, which is really good. Everything is a lot more tender on my body. So that's good. But yeah, that's all the updates for me, really. Labs are so scary. That's, I, I mean, I don't mind going to the doctor, but labs scare me because I, I just want my levels to be normal. I want high estrogen. I want low testosterone. And it's just so stressful waiting for the results to come back, not knowing if, like your hormones have been working or if you're out of whack or whatever. So I totally get 
that it's stressful. Yeah. And then also a lot of times they might even test for like other things. So like you might, you might find out things about your body that like you didn't know was low or was high that could be yeah. potentially a danger to you. And like, I have like a freak out, like every single, I'm like a hypochondriac. So I'll like look at my legs and I'll have like, I run a lot. So my legs are, my legs are really sore. I have a lot of like shin splints, but I'll like, I'll feel it. And I'm like, am, am I like getting, um, uh, uh, a blood clot like am i am i gonna die like because my old endo she used to scare me she used to be like you're gonna get a blood clot and it's gonna like, kill you and She's she would always tell me psychopath. yeah if you guys haven't watched that video on my channel go watch it because like she literally was the worst and so um i had yeah i just had a really bad experience with her so i've been traumatized ever since so every time i get labs i'm always worried that something bad's gonna come up but obviously it's it's like it's gonna be a fix that he can work with and he's willing to help me. So I'm really I'm happy about it. But also, I'm really excited about you getting surgeries. Like, I don't know. It makes me really happy just knowing that, like, you're going to be happy and more comfortable with yourself. Like, making that yeah. step towards an authentic or, like, a more authentic heel. And, mm-hmm. like, and I know there's, like, there might be a lot of times where people um, even, like, tell you, like, you might, you don't need the surgery. You don't need the surgery. And I hate that. Because because it's never it's it's not anyone else's choice but yours, and so at the end of the day, it's it's I hate no one should ever tell anyone what surgery the trans person should or shouldn't get. That's the decision on them, and it's how they feel and what they what they think would help them with their dysphoria with with the the issues regarding their mental health. Yeah, that bothers me the most. I hate when somebody announces that they're going to get FFS or something and then all the comments are like, um, you don't need it or that's a waste of money because you already look feminine enough. Like, I don't think people realize that when you watch somebody on YouTube, you are watching that person through a lens that they created. Like, they are setting up the camera in a specific way to make them look the best. They have lighting that helps them look better than they do without lighting. So obviously, if you see somebody presenting themselves with their best face, like you don't know what they look like on a daily basis and you you still don't know like what their insecurities are. So, I mean, if somebody tells you that they're going to get surgery, the least you can do is just support them and not try to fight them over if it's a good idea or not, because at the end of the day, it's their decision. Yeah, it's the it's literally the decision of the surgeon and then the person that's going through it. And um, a lot of times, even like a lot with, especially with FFS, a lot of the changes surgeons recommend are like the subtlest things that like people might not even like notice when they first look at you or when you look at yourself, you might not even really notice. But sometimes yeah. like the smallest things just to feminize your face, even if it's like, cause like I have like higher like brow bones. So like a shave of like that is like what I'd want during like FFS. Mm-hmm. And like, I know some people, People might argue that like, oh, there's women with high eyebrow bones, but it's, it's ultimately my decision and what I'm uncomfortable with. And like, yeah. and it could be the, it could be like a quick surgery where like one or two things change, but that's a surgery that is dependent on the person, whether they want it or not. And it's no one else's business. Um, I think, yeah, we should just continuously support one another rather than trying to find reasons to like bring other people down or this, um, um, this, what is, what's the word I'm thinking of? like invalidate someone's feelings about themselves. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's the worst thing you can do, especially if you're trans. So yeah, I am very excited for you and I really wish the best and I hope everything goes well. I know it will. So it's really, really too. exciting. To see I'm you. excited. Yes. You're going to fuck it up more than you already do. I'm so I'm, happy. <laughs> everyone is going to be shook when I come I, out of the operation room. I'm going to be slaying. An LA three to an LA four. <laughs> I know. I no, literally kidding. feel so insecure being in LA because everyone here is like an eight or above. And it might be due to surgery. I don't know, but they are fucking pretty. And that's all I know. So. Well, um, surgery's coming up. So you don't have to worry about that. I know. True. <laughs> that's the one thing. If I move to LA, I'm like, I'm really nervous about like, my insecurities are really going to be brought like, yeah. especially with everyone so beautiful around me. But yeah, so I think with that being said, I think it's a good time to jump into the conversation for today um, and just, yeah, talk about our, our 
<laughs> Coping What's mechanism. <laughs> coping mechanism. Sorry. I really, I keep forgetting what our coping mechanisms. But yeah, Gage, if you want to start, or I can start, whatever you're comfortable with. I can start. Um, yeah. Right. So basically, I talked about it a little bit in the first episode, but my coping mechanism and my biggest thing that helped me through a lot of rough times when I was growing up um, was video games. And I kind of already mentioned it, but I'll just go in a little bit more detail. Um, So basically, when I was growing up, I was very quiet and shy, and I didn't say much. Um, There's a lot of reasons why I was shy and quiet, mostly relating to the fact that I knew from a very young age that I was different. I didn't necessarily know or I couldn't pinpoint what I was or what I identified as, but I just knew that I was different from like the heterosexual cisgender mold or box that I was supposed to be fitting into. Um, So I knew I was different. I was really quiet. I didn't talk much. I didn't really have any friends in real life. Um, And because of that, I invested a lot of time and energy into playing video games, not because like I, I feel like my love for video games is more so because I was able to be a different person than I was in real life rather than actually just playing. Like I do enjoy playing games, but I feel like the main reason why I was so into like this virtual world was because I was living and being perceived as somebody that I wanted to be in real life, but couldn't. Um, So I played like a lot of role-playing games, um, a lot of games where you can work and collaborate with other people. Um, I had I was, like, really popular online. I'm not even going to lie. I had a lot of friends. Everybody loved me. I was good at the games. And, <laughs> like, it was a time where if you were a girl online, you were literally a queen. Like, everybody was obsessed with you. And, obviously, I was a little boy in real life that was insecure. So, like, the second that I got a bunch of attention online, I didn't know what to do with myself because I was like, oh, my gosh. I've never felt this before. Like, this is so weird. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, video games kind of became like my sanctuary because I was able to express myself in ways that I couldn't in real life. Um, I was like really into WWE growing up, not like oh. the guys wrestling, just the girls. I only watched the girls. Oh That's yeah. All okay. I cared about. I thought they were the coolest people ever. Um, so because I was obsessed with like WWE I used to play the wrestling games all the time, you know, like SmackDown versus Raw and like yeah, I used to play those all, the all time of those too. stuff. Um, but I was like, I was really known in the community for like making, um, like replicating characters that weren't in the game, like real life divas and superstars that weren't in the game. I would like recreate them and design their outfits and make their faces and all of that. And I was like really good. There was a point where I was, like, number one in the world for character designs. Like, I had so many downloads. I was popping on there. Not like that matters or anything. But, like, it was, like, a really good accomplishment for me because I felt like I was getting praised for, like, my work. And I feel like designing clothes and, like, making accessories and stuff like that in the real world would have gotten me strange looks. Like, people would have questioned my sexuality. They would have questioned, like am I gay? Like, are you trying to be a girl or like something like that? Um, So it was just a way for me to express my, I guess my style and all the fashion that I wanted to wear in real life, but couldn't. So in a sense, that particular game was like a way for me to express my femininity and dress up characters and play dress up in a virtual world because I was too scared to do it in real life. Um, So like all in all, I would, say video games were basically my outlet it's it's weird for me to say that I felt more authentic online than I did in real life but I genuinely feel like that and I stand by it like even though at that time I was lying about like what my name was and where I lived and all of that because I was like scared of internet people 
I still feel like I was more of myself. Like my personality was the personality that I have now and everything was the same. I just feel like it was a way for me to open up and not be judged for stuff that I was too scared to do in real life. That's really, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. The SmackDown versus Raw stuff. I, I didn't even know about you. Like, that's cool. I know. I, I don't like talk about it that much. Cause like when people, like I tell people I liked wrestling, they thought I was weird. So I was like, okay, cool. Maybe no one cares that I was number one character creator in the world. That's really cool. Like I can imagine that being like, so like how important that was to you, especially at that age. Like, yeah. I was like 12. I had, yeah. Like, so everything's a big deal at that time. Thousands of downloads. People loved all my stuff. I would get like messages on Xbox of people saying like, I love your designs. Can you please make this character? Can you please like design me this? And I was like, Oh, I'm a fashion designer. That's so cool. I remember like playing the games growing up. You know what I remember the most about those games, the three day grace, like songs that used to play on them. Like, cause there was like, like, I don't know, like you can, I don't, I don't remember. I, was, I remember my cousins were really into it. And then yeah. so like, my my friend or my cousins were really into it so i would anytime i'd go over i used to play those games with them all the time but it's really interesting to see that like i don't know it's almost kind of like you were like what really impacted you in a sense that really was a way that it made you express yourself mm-hmm. for like the first time and like that's really cool my i wish my story was like like an explore, exploration of my femininity because a lot of times it was more of me trying to like ex- like repress my femininity almost like especially like with me growing up um I was like really into music so when I was young my mom and dad split up there was like a lot of a drama dad cheated like it's just a lot of drama for a four-year-old to go through so my parents split up I kind of witnessed a lot and so my mom was going through a lot because her, her dad also died around that same time and so, like, seeing her, like, really, really upset, but then also her getting really emotional because, like, a song came on and, like, it made her really, there was, like, this one song. I still remember, it's it's a Simple Plan song. It's called Perfect. And it used to make her cry so hard. So, like, ever since, like, I, I saw her moved by music, I wanted to dedicate, like, my life to moving people, to making them feel like a song thing with my music like I saw how that impact on my mom and it made her happy so I was like I want to do this with my life and so growing up I really tried dedicating a lot of my time I learned guitar um, I started writing songs I've been writing songs for a while. I wrote songs for my mom when I was a kid and I started writing songs for other people anyone that was like going through a rough time I would write them a song it was so kind of looking back it's kind of cringy but like I really I like I was going through a lot inside and like especially like knowing who I was and coming to terms with who I was. But I, I, I really tried hard, so hard to repress it. I just was like, I need to think about what other people are feeling and I want to help them. I want to help them. So I continuously like suppress myself and just like made a lot of music. And so I even made a band in my freshman year of high school called The Art That Changed Me because I was so obsessed with the idea of like music changing someone or helping them or influencing them. So I really devoted like a lot of my time into like helping others and never really allowing myself to like, like express myself through my, my music. I would always like write songs for other people, but never write songs about myself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to like, if someone was sad, I write them a song to make them happy and stuff. But I never like express my like femininity through my music until like after coming out. So I started writing about my transition and stuff, which, um, yeah, it's kind of sad thinking back, but at the time it really, it did help me kind of, you know, get through a lot, especially when I was going through nights where I was really dysphoric. I used to t- stay up on school nights till like three or 4 a.m. I would stay up and I would write, I would play my guitar and like sit in the dark. I would get so, so, so sad. But I knew that like, if I wrote a song, then like, then it, it, it cheer me up. Um, even though, you know, it would never like really help me fully. I knew that for that time period, it would really like just, you know, make me think about something else. So it's a really like uh, a good way for me to avoid like the big thing that I was like, like my transition. It was, it was like 
trying to make me forget about how I was feeling. But ultimately, obviously, you can't hide from yourself forever. And then I had to, you know, kind of face the reality and then come to terms. And I started communicating and talking with more people and helping like to help me understand myself more. And I started looking more stuff up. But yeah, but I, I fell in love with music and that like that whole process. And I like really wanted to be like involved with bands and stuff. But I didn't have like a lot of friends either. I was like very much a loner. I'd always cry to like my mom and stuff about like, I don't have any friends. Like I'm, I'm so like lonely. And it was like, I had a really, really tough childhood. And so um, I was almost always alone. I would go to lunch in like middle school, high school. And it was the worst time because I would, I didn't know like where to sit. And I would always sit alone because I was, I was always worried about getting too close to people because I thought they'd like clock me. I thought they'd figure something out. They'd think that I was weird. They'd, they'd make fun of me for being feminine or, or like call me gay or something. And I really didn't want anyone to judge me. So I, the best thing to do was just to avoid everyone. So, you know, I kind of, I went to music, but through music, I did find a collective group of friends and I made a few bands in high school and it really did, you know, it was that, that strong thing that kept me like surviving. And, you know, I wrote a lot of songs and um, like, it's really sad, like looking back because when I transitioned, it almost feels like I let go of that. So I still write music today, but when you're like with those friends and stuff like that, and now that you don't have them anymore, it really sucks because I was involved before before moving away from my hometown and transitioning. I was involved with like a, a band that like really made me happy. We we're making music that I love to make. And I came out to them and they were really supportive, but they weren't supportive of my moving. And so um, they ended up kicking me out the band. And it was a big like punch in the stomach because they continue making music without me. And uh, one of like my good friends in the band won't talk to me today. And it's weird because I really don't know why, but I know in that time period, like music meant a lot to me and it still does. Um, but it's like one of those things where it's like a love hate thing that I have because for a long time I used music to avoid a lot in my life. But at the same time, it did help me when I needed it to. And now I'm using it and I'm utilizing it in a positive way to kind of talk about the shit that I've gone through, like with my friends, with my family, like people that haven't accepted me. So in the end, it is a positive thing. But yeah, that was my kind of big um, thing that really, really got me through it. My big coping mechanism. I feel like both of us, at, like when we were growing up, for you, music was so big. For me, games were so big. But then as we started to, like, come out and realize ourselves, we kind of, like, drifted away from doing that. Um, but it's still, like, you go back to it time to time. Like, if you write a song or if I play a certain game, like, it just feels good to go back and play that. Because for a point in your life, like, that had such a big role. Um, and now that you're older and you've started to figure things out and live your life authentically it kind of like got put on the back burner especially since we're adults like obviously we have a lot more time as kids but it's just it's something that we don't do often but it still holds a really special place for us I think yeah it's definitely one of those things that that your heart can't live without like I tried giving it up for, like one time because I was like you know, it just makes me more sad than it does happy, especially because I have a lot of voice dysphoria. If you're a trans woman, um, hormones doesn't really affect your voice. So you have to go through a lot of like voice training, extraneous, like just different things to do, like to just help improve your voice and make it sound more feminine. And I used to be a singer in my bands and I used to write a lot of my songs. And my voice used to be a lot deeper than it is today. So um, it's been a battle. I like, I really have, have gone through a lot. So I wanted to quit, but obviously it, it's been such a passion of mine for so long that like I, ha I have to go back. But yeah, like you said, it's like in the back burner because like no one teaches you how to like adult and also transition at the same time. And I feel like yeah. we had to like deal with that. That's like two major like events going on in your life, like learning how to be your own person, but then also having to like, be a brand new person in a sense like expressing your femininity finding yourself 
understanding like your style and like everything about that, but also like understanding what it means to be an adult, to live, pay your bills and like be your own person in society. So it's like, it, it's really it can be difficult. Yeah. Cause like we're adults, we're 20, we're in our twenties. We have to pay rent. We have to pay for medical expenses and all of that. But at the same time, like we've only been transitioning for like three years. That's basically like, you're still going through puberty. Yeah. So it's like, you're definitely. an adult, but at the same time, like your body and like your hormone levels are fluctuating as if you're like a 17 year old. So it's like, that whole combination of things is so difficult to deal with at times yeah but it is good to like know that we both had that that one thing that helped us and although it might not be as prevalent in our life yeah like you said it does hold a special place which is really good it's like really cool and I'm, I'm very happy to have it today I think I'm, I'm a lot stronger than I was like a year or two ago when I was really upset at it but I I ultimately think it was such a beautiful thing and it really helped me get through the, the 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 hardest part of my life and I'm very very happy that I had it I also played games too when I was younger and I I wasn't as active but um I used to I used to do the like the character development like in sims or like or like skate I would always I love the sims it was like such a all the outfits were awful like yeah i'm sorry like the first couple of sims games all my characters were busted and ugly because like they literally didn't give you any options so like you don't have a choice yeah i redownloaded sims 2 recently and there's like the 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 clothing options are the worst it's like i have to choose between like like the two ugliest like maybe because it's 2002 fashion or or early 2000s fashion yeah so like I, i i can't judge it too hard but still it's like what the heck i know but yeah um but with that being said i'm i'm happy to hear that like i don't know we both have like similar experience especially like growing up when with like i felt like we're very isolated from a lot of people yeah. um but yeah also um but talking about video games i i don't know how to make this transition any smoother oh my god this is we... a perfect segue so <laughs> since i was talking about video games we were also talking earlier about the trans woman that like flipped her shit in a GameStop after she got misgendered. And we just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. I feel there's a lot to unpack. It's a very interesting case that I think we should dissect together. Yeah. So we've, we rewatched it um, like right before this podcast and I got so like visibly upset it was it like it took a lot out of me like not to like laugh not to like be really angry there's a lot of emotions going on and if you guys haven't seen the clip i'll i'll edit it and i'll insert it here like for the for the youtube the youtube for youtube i'll like i'll put the clip here if you guys haven't seen it or just a small clip we're not doing credit you're gonna give me my fucking money back excuse me sir there's a young man in here and you're watching excuse me it's ma'am it is ma'am you no you said sir once again, it's man. I actually said both of you guys. Right beforehand, you fucking said, sir. Sir? Motherfucker, take it outside. If you want to call me sir again, I will show you a fucking sir. I apologize. Motherfucker. I apologize now. I need your corporate number. Because I'm going to talk, call them and talk about how I was misgendered several times in this store. I need your corporate number now. Get it for me now. Yes, get it, asking, I'm asking get it for me now. Get it for me now. I'm not cussing. I'm not cussing. Okay. Get me the damn number now. Please. Ooh. 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 I will get you that number right now. But essentially, yeah, this, this trans woman flips out because she was misgendered at a GameStop. And oh my God. Like, I, I want to feel bad because, like, I've been in the situation, obviously, like passing was like, was such a difficult thing, especially early on in your transition. It can be really hard, especially when you want to, you know, express, express yourself. Maybe you're scared to express yourself, but like to start hormones, your doctor wants you to be full-time. That happened with me where I was really scared, but my, my doctor wanted me to be full-time. But for a, lar- a long time, I would say even for like the first year, I would I would get constantly misgendered, but I would never 
never act in that type of way. That was insane. Yeah. I, I, I'm like torn because I genuinely know what that feels like. And it sucks. Like whenever I got misgendered, I mean, I didn't start like presenting as female until I was positive that I could pass. Cause I was deathly terrified of getting clocked. Um, so I, I, I know how that feels, but at the same time, I think there is, I don't know. I, I guess it's just from experience from me transitioning, but for me, it's very clear for me to tell if somebody is transphobic or if somebody genuinely doesn't know that what they're saying or what they're doing is. And I think that like being able to discern between those two things takes time and experience, like transitioning and being talking to people and interacting with people. Um, But in this particular instance, I mean, the people were very apologetic and were very calm the whole time. And regardless of how nice or cordial they were trying to be like she just kept escalating it and yelling and knocking things over and cussing at people and I think that is probably the worst way to resolve a conflict like this because it I mean first of all it makes us look psycho and angry and psychotic basically just psychotic (laughs) no it, it really like I don't know so like I, I like like you, I have like a lot of feelings about this because like on one hand, I, I feel really bad. And I was even, I was mad at how like, cause I first saw it on Twitter. I was mad at like how a lot of people on Twitter responded to it. A lot of yeah, people were saying same. like really fucked up things about the community because of mm-hmm. how this, this woman acted. And it, and it made me like almost like, I didn't know who to like, I wanted to defend her because I felt bad. But at the same time, like I kind of understood where these, these, these things that people were saying were coming from but like that's not how the community is I feel like a large part of us whenever we're like out or like whenever we're outed like that the bat like I, I know for me like my like my way of escaping I am always on my phone and so if, if I get like overwhelmed I look down at my phone and I get on my phone and then I'll like leave the situation and then I'll, I'll cry about it whenever I'm alone so it really is like an emotional thing that I keep to myself. And I'm not saying you shouldn't stand up for yourself. You shouldn't correct people. Like you shouldn't go like, oh yeah, it's like she, but I don't know, to overreact and to yell like that. It's, that's, that's, I don't, you're just, you're putting this poor person who's like working, probably getting paid the shittiest amount, like through like this, like this how, because like they have to like, like, it's, like, almost, like, I don't know, if you've ever worked customer service, you understand, like, when the customer's angry, it's, like, you kind of, like, break down. Like, you don't, like, it's really hard to handle because you have to act a certain way to meet company standards. And it's, like, I can I can imagine how difficult it was to be in that situation. Plus, like, the, I don't know, it was kind of problematic when she kept saying, like, I'll show you a man or whatever. Yeah. And, like, like throw stuff around and, like, be abusive and like making a mess in the store that the employees are going to have to pick up. Mm-hmm. Like, like I understand that you're misgendered, but that doesn't give you an excuse to be a just a total fucking like asshole. Like, yeah. like you're, you're really, you're, you're creating a situation that these kids are around. They're seeing you like be like, they're terrified, not even because of your gender or anything, just because there's a person in the store that's going crazy. Like yeah, it, it literally doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, like if you are kicking things and yelling, it's the same effect. Like people are going to take it a certain way. And I felt bad when it came out because I did, like I saw it on Twitter too. And people were saying like terrible things about her specifically, some about the trans community, but mostly about her, like criticizing her appearance and her voice and all of that, which I felt bad for. Like, I don't think anyone deserves to, get attacked like that I can't imagine what that probably felt like but at the same time I think we have like a tendency to not critique trans people or like people in the LGBT community when they made a mistake on something like if they make a mistake it's just like it's forgiven like everybody else in that situation should have been more aware like they should have been they should have known that her pronouns were she and her by the way that she dressed like I get that's kind of a valid argument too but at the same time like we can't have the expectation that literally everybody on 
the planet Earth knows how to address a trans person. Like, that's just not realistic. That's not the point that our society is in. And I don't think it's a benefit to anybody to freak out every single time when there are there are people who I'm sure are doing it on purpose and are being rude and assholes on purpose. But at the same time, I feel like there are more people who genuinely don't know that they're offending someone and that it's something to point out, but it's nothing to the point where you need to feel like you have to kick down displays and yell and call corporate and make a giant scene in the middle of a store. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it kind of makes me think too about like, like, especially like white privilege in this sense. And I was saying this earlier and it might be a stretch. I could be just completely insane, but it almost like it goes to show like this woman, she felt no remorse acting the way she did and like not being afraid to just be so like public about her transition. And for me, like I'm terrified. A lot of people I know they're terrified to even say anything for the, like the fear that someone might harm them. Like I, I, I think constantly when I like go out on the weekends and I want to drink, I'm always scared that I'm going to be killed that night because, because, you know, obviously the, the murder rate for especially trans women of color is like so extremely, like extremely high. And it, it's terrifying a lot of the times. And to know that so she can act like that. And I just feel like she didn't even like, she doesn't really care. I don't know. It just, it really frustrated me because she, um, I don't know. She doesn't understand her position, I guess. And um, it was, yeah, it's definitely such an unfortunate situation because, because, you know, obviously as a trans person, you want to defend your, your peoples, but also you get lumped into like this group of, of this outrage culture of, especially like in the trans community, like don't misgender me. When a lot of us aren't like that, a lot of us really just, we're just trying to like blend in. Like for me, especially like, I, I dress like a normal person, like, in, like when I mean normal, I just like try like, like very plain clothes because I don't want to stick out. I don't, I don't want to be like the center of attention in any sense because I'm terrified. I, I just want to look like a woman and I want to pass every day and everyone, I want everyone to see me as that. And so like knowing that like my, my community is associated with like that, sometimes it upsets me because I'm just like, but that's not how it is. It's like almost like people assuming something when it's completely not that way. And when mm-hmm. stuff like this comes out, it's really upsetting because it kind of, it feels like it's, it's doing more harm to the community than good. Yeah, I definitely think so. I just, I think it's important. I don't, I mean, I'm sure somebody listening to this probably thinks we're transphobic by talking about this. But, like, this is the thing that bugs me the most. It's, like, I'm not transphobic. Like, I, it's not hard for anybody to tell that. But I feel like anytime you question something or you go against, like, a person in the trans community or a trans person, you're automatically perceived as transphobic. Like, I'm not trying to insult her looks or her appearance. I completely empathize with why she was upset in the first place. Like I'm not in any way trying to undermine like, or say that she has no reason to be upset. She does have a reason to be upset. I'm just saying the way that she went about it was completely wrong. And I don't think that just because I'm trans, I should stick by her and say that she's perfectly fine when I think that she made a mistake. And I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Being- I just, yeah. Being critical of your community, being able to comment on things that that you believe is wrong, isn't transphobia. It's 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 a conversation that we're trying to have to make things a little more clear, in a sense, to make things seem a little more reasonable. Like this woman was threatening to assault people in front of kids in in that place. And yeah, I'm not questioning or saying anything negative about her identity and how she like identifies or expresses herself and because it is like trans women especially if you transition later in life it's difficult to kind of go through every day and she might have been having a really bad day and I I completely understand that but that gives no one a reason to like to just be so like like aggressive and like I don't know I just I wish that was like I wish that was in a different way maybe she could have turned that into something so much more positive calling the GameStop 
corporate, like like leaving it, like like not saying anything to anyone, but getting out of like the situation just without saying like anything to any employee or anybody. Getting out, calling corporate, and say, "Hey, like I, you guys should really train on transgender um, customers or something like that." Like making this into a positive way, but instead she got aggressive and almost like did more harm than potential good. She could have. She could have put, really done something positive in a sense because, like, of the situation. But but she chose to just be aggressive and threaten to assault people, which is not good. Yeah, this is probably like fucked up. But like, when I first watched it, I was like, "Is this a joke? Like, is this like fake? Like, is this actually something that really happened?" Because I personally like. I don't know any trans people that would have reacted the way that she did. And she might have been having a really bad day. I don't know. But, like, just having a public confrontation to that level is horrifying to me and most trans people that I know. Like, the last thing that we want to do is cause a scene in public. And, yes, it's frustrating to get misgendered, but usually that's something that, like, I, I've been misgendered before. And that's something that has, like, haunted me. But I dealt with it in private and I understood like, hey, I highly doubt that the person that I was talking to was trying to be transphobic or trying to insult me. I just don't think they knew because like our society has been this way for so long and it's changing, but we have to be understanding and help facilitate the change rather than constantly yelling at people who don't understand what's going on yet. Yeah, I think you perfectly summed that up because, yeah, just be be the per like be the bigger person at the end of the day. All the things might not be what you want them to be, although sometimes you know they're not. You know, you might be misgendered. You know, um, things might get difficult. You might feel threatened almost. Be the bigger person, um, and and find a way to express your feelings in a way that will potentially benefit our community. And, um, yeah, like I, I do, I wish there was more advocacy for, you know, more people to understand us. And I think, you know, this is a good conversation to have in order to like make more corporate offices aware that there are trans people that exist and more training to deal with us. So I think that's a good thing that could potentially have cap came out of it, but instead, yeah, like you said, it almost felt like a joke. Cause it was, it was such one of those, like, did you just assume my gender like type of like like meme almost so I, mm-hmm. I could it was almost like so like insane that i didn't i couldn't believe that it was real but yeah, yeah. you kind of like in situations like that you kind of have to put everything in perspective regard like put your feelings aside and really analyze the situation like do you genuinely feel like this person is being rude on purpose if so okay you can be rude back like if they're going to be rude to you, like they don't deserve the respect or the kindness or the patience that you should give somebody that maybe doesn't know. Like if you are interacting with a person that you feel like doesn't genuinely know that they just said something offensive, like, do you honestly think that yelling at them and kicking things over is going to be more effective than politely and calmly addressing the situation? Like, Hey, what you said was kind of offensive. Like, I'm just trying to tell you just in case for future reference, if you interact with another trans person, like, don't say that. Like, just with that simple wording and sentencing, like, you taught someone how to better interact with a person in the trans community. And if you just yell at them, what what are they going to learn? Yeah, nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly. Retweet. <laughs> Yes, but, bitch. I'm speaking the truth. I'm spilling the tea. Snaps, bitch. No. <laughs> but with that being said, I I, we're, I know this is going on a little long. So, um, yeah, interesting. I think we can wrap it up here. But I really appreciate all of you guys for listening. I'm very happy that we're on our third episode and we're able to do this for you guys. It's really it's really fun. And um, if you haven't already, follow us on our Instagram. It's Girlish Podcast to get any updates on when we post a new um, podcast. We don't really have a set schedule of when we upload, mostly because um, it's difficult working around our schedules. So we just kind of try and post them whenever we can. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, so follow us on there to get any updates. And obviously follow us on our Instagrams. Um, we'll leave the links down in the description um, of the video. I mean, but you guys, you guys know us. Um, it's Jay Engage. Um, subscribe to us on our YouTube channels. And if you have any ideas for any future topics, please feel free to message us. I also kind of just want to touch on our name. I, I feel it in my gut that somebody is going to comment that it's transphobic. I can just feel it. I can feel somebody saying like, are, so are you saying that you're not actually girls because you're trans? Like, I just know that somebody is going to take it that way. And I just want to clarify for me, I think the name is great because I think that in many ways, like our, the way that we present our femininity is very unconventional compared to a lot of other people. So like, that's where the name girlish comes in for me is because yes, we are girls, but like at the same time, our definition and our presentation of femininity is not conventional and that's not a bad thing. It's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. Plus it's funny. (laughs) It's also funny. But, like, I just know somebody is going to, like, complain about it. No, I I completely agree. And, yeah, I I hate that fact that, like, we have to, like, clarify that. But, like, obviously we're women. There's no no ifs and or buts about it. But it's just a name that we felt, like, stood out and that was was relatable for us and and that a lot of people could relate to in a sense. And Mm -hmm. almost even, like, kind of clapping back to those... Like, a, like reclaiming what people yeah it's like a rec- yeah like tranny kind of like exactly that. and um we'll talk we, we can go like more in details with like slurs and stuff like that in another sure. episode and I, yeah i really i definitely want to but um yeah so don't come for us we're don't. doing our best we're not transphobic yeah not a single transphobia blood <laughs> in my body no for bone in my body um but yeah thank you guys for listening and i hope you guys enjoyed this episode we're a little more rambly today. I like it though. I know. I love how like we don't have a set like script. We kind of just talk and I feel like that's very quirky and relatable and like very fun. So I think that that's how a podcast should be. So yeah. like we're still talking and this is going to be an hour long. Uh, I don't want to hang out. This is like an actual conversation too with like two friends. And that's what so it's like... supposed to be. It's a, like a conversation. I don't want it to come across as hello. This is our topic. We are going to talk about this for 10 minutes and then switch. Like, I feel like that's boring. Yeah, like we text each other throughout the week, but we don't really like talk with each other until we get on the podcast and we start. Yeah, so we're just like letting everything out that we've been holding up inside. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and just wanted to say, um, yeah, just thank you. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. I've been getting a lot of comments and stuff regarding the podcast and how it's fun for people to listen to. And I that's like honestly what we wanted. I think it it's kind of scary like starting a new project like this, but I'm just thankful that we have people who are interested and are entertained by what we have to say. Yeah, so with that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye, all of the people. See you later. Bye, everyone. Bye.